0: You're listening to The Bcast, the official podcast of beeplans.com. Each week, we discuss the latest news, resources, and advice for entrepreneurs and small business owners. I'm Jonathan Michael. And I'm Peter Thorson. This week, Peter and I discuss 12 signs that you need to hire a manager. Our guest, Noah Parsons, recommends his favorite online tools for startups. And we share our top picks for TV shows and podcasts we think you'll love.
1: So we're talking about an article today, and it's on bplans.com, and that's our style. Yeah, it's called 12 Signs You Need to Hire a Manager by Scott Gerber of the
0: Young Entrepreneurship Council.
1: That's great. And is that a, a Mr. Manager or a, just a regular manager? I think he's just a regular manager. I see. So, and I think you, in this is, not to get too meta yeah. here, but mm-hmm. you is you, the entrepreneur. You, the CEO, the business owner. Yes. So you, the listener.
0: Right, not you, Peter, or me, Jonathan. It could
1: be. 12 signs, me need to hire a manager. Well, I mean, let's grammar be damned. Let's go with this. <laughs> okay. And I think we uh, can fly through these and just talk through each one, right? I mean, let's just uh, let's just review them all and see what we like, see what we don't like. Yeah, sounds good to me. So this is good. So I think the, uh, the 12 points here are uh, given from individual entrepreneurs. One point each, number one, when your days are getting longer, from Rob Fulton, when your days are getting longer... That's a sign that you need to hire a manager. Yeah, there's a myth out there that uh, good entrepreneurs you know, have to work an 80-hour work week uh, or else you're not going to be successful. Yeah, or maybe they're working every waking hour. I mean, I know some of these folks are literally rolling out of bed and r- walking right into their shops. So, I mean, that's great. You can always find work to fill the space of time, but how do you know whether to hire a manager? I don't know if I'm going to go with this first tip. Okay, so you don't you don't buy it, huh? I think it's a good sign. I don't think it's a good way of indicating whether you should hire a new manager or not. Okay, that's fair.
0: Let's go on to number two. What do you say? Yeah, number two is when business development slows down, and that's from Andrew Thomas at SkyBell Video Doorbell. And he says the big sign for us was when we had a hard time continuing to focus on our business and strategic development. So yeah, what do you think about that, Peter?
1: Yeah, I love his idea here of pulling leadership away from identifying new opportunities and building relationships. Now that's key, right? If you're a CEO, you're one of the only people who can get out there at the strategic level and really form some of those key relationships, especially at an early stage. Yeah, and uh, number three is when you start a new phase of growth. Yeah. This one's interesting to me. The, you know, there's two ways you can take the idea of a new phase of growth. Um, you know, on one hand, there's this idea of like a new sector. You're expanding from one type of audience to another, one region to another, one storefront to a second storefront. So you know, the new phase of growth is a very literal change in the way in which you're presenting that business. Mm-hmm. It almost always comes with that person who is the expert in that space. So it's a very clear-cut, very sort of easy way to say, okay, is this space viable? Am I going to be profitable in this new area? And if so, who is going to help me run with that idea? So okay. I think that one's, that one's great. But then there's this other conceptual idea uh, where you say a new phase of growth might mean we're all in one building, we're all still serving that same audience, and like here at the live plan team, we're just getting bigger and bigger, Uh, so our audience is getting bigger and bigger, which means the CEO's job becomes more oversight over a larger group of people. Yeah, it's about scale. So you might want a manager who then takes care of, let's say, the marketing team and the development team separately, when in the past that was a single person. So I think this is a great point. That new phase of growth is usually an indicator that you're going you know, to have to have some kind of manager in there to help you handle that growth. In what scenario, in which cases, is going to be up to you. And you know, again, if you've got some questions or cases that you've run into in the past, definitely let us know. So that brings
0: us to number four, which is um, when you're starting to feel overwhelmed. Just feeling really overwhelmed, Peter. Is it time for me to hire a manager? No,
1: I don't I don't agree with this <laughs> one at all. I don't feel good about it. Why is that? Everyone always feels overwhelmed. If you're an entrepreneur you've felt this way, you're not gonna give up and you're tenacious and that's great. But being overwhelmed is is probably a feeling that you will have. I do not like the idea of the feeling of being overwhelmed being an indicator explicitly of you should hire a manager it's happened to all of us it doesn't mean we all need to hire managers
0: yeah and uh it feels a little bit too subjective uh, to be honest you could have a season where you are overwhelmed you know that might be a month or two uh so if you make the decision to go ahead and hire somebody right during that season and then you aren't overwhelmed in about a month now you have an additional person on your team and what are you going to do with them.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. I will say this is number four on the list. Reza uh, does go into a great description, of course, here, and it's going to mirror some of the other tips on the list. So I'm not trying to knock Reza's tip number four here. (laughs) Sorry, Reza. Just the wording. Okay.
0: So number five is when more and more mistakes start
1: getting made. So again, there's kind of two ways of looking at this. Uh, Brooke, who wrote this one, is actually talking about this concept of internal mistakes. Mm -hmm. And I would actually turn that on its head a little bit and say think about what the customers are actually noticing right okay a lot of times especially as a business grows and especially as you start to seed control as the owner of that company you're gonna start to notice that the people you're hiring in are making mistakes they're doing things in a way that you wouldn't have done them yeah so that's okay it has to be okay to a certain level and you have to accept that there will be things that aren't done perfectly and as long as your clients aren't noticing, as long as those mistakes aren't translated into the final product, that's okay, and that's just part of everyday life. And number
0: six is when you're only fixing, not creating. And this comes from Vanessa Van Edwards of Science of People. And she says, you know, you need to hire people when you become a firefighter. And I can understand where she's coming from with that. You, you spend too much of your day going from one crisis to another and not making strides on the things that you need to be pushing forward.
1: Yeah, it becomes a sort of a mundane day-to-day sort of approach to being a business leader when really the reason you're in that position is to steer the ship that is the business, not deal with whether the ropes are tied correctly. That's an extended metaphor, by the way. Wow, that was beautiful. Do you feel good about it? I feel great about it. Moving forward to number seven, when you find yourself repeating tasks... I'm sorry, what was that? Moving, moving forward. Uh When you find yourself repeating tasks, I didn't catch that. When one finds themselves repeating tasks, still didn't catch that. Can you make this to play in audio format? We're just wasting people's time with it. I think it
0: works. You think? Yeah. They're laughing. So number seven is when you find yourself repeating tasks.
1: You know, as the business owner, as the CEO, as soon as you are doing something exactly the same way several times, it's time to start thinking about how to replace yourself in that field Yeah. as soon as that's happening and, and I mean literally like once you're doing it three times think about not doing it the fifth time if you're doing something ten times and you can be replaced by a robot, a lower paid employee, somebody else who isn't as critical to the overall vision and strategy of the company, you really need to be thinking about how to get that person in place and how to do that quickly. That is the best way to grow. And again, this to me is one of the better tips on this list.
0: And that takes us to number eight, which is when you know someone can do it better. Yeah, it's going to take a little bit of humility too to realize that you can't do everything perfectly. You can maybe take things a certain level to maybe hit a plateau. Oh, but there's going to be other people who have the expertise to take it to the next level. Exactly. So number nine is when you aren't focusing on the fundamentals. So what do you think about that?
1: Well, David's trying to indicate here that the when you realize the business is managing you uh, and when you aren't focusing on the fundamentals, it's time to free up to focus on the key fundamentals. Hmm. So I'm not in love with this tip. Yeah, I think... You know, I think it speaks for itself, is what it does. It is what it is. Yes.
0: And number 10 is when you're
1: trying to do everything. The question everyone should be asking, of course, is, well, every solopreneur does need to do everything. Isn't that right? I don't know if that is right. Why would that be right? Well, you need to pay the bills. You need to keep the lights on. You need to, you know, make sure the mail gets delivered. I mean, at a certain level, if you don't have any employees at all trying to do everything, is absolutely necessity to keeping the business alive right? Yeah, but I mean that's kind of the point of this whole article though
0: isn't it is if you're trying to do everything and then it starts to become too much it might be the
1: time to bring somebody else on to help out with that right but there's a danger in that recommendation We can't just go recommend that every small business owner hires employees just because they feel like they're already doing everything. I think most of our listeners already feel like, They're doing everything. Yeah. It goes back to that feeling
0: overwhelmed thing.
1: Yeah. And also that concept of kind of planning for the the profitability of a potential hire. So I I would say there's a little bit more to it than feeling like you're trying to do everything. It's a little bit more than this idea of the CEO as the person who is the master craftsman of all the fields Mm -hmm. that the company encompasses. You also need to think pretty critically about which pieces you can carve off and whether that in fact helps the business. So maybe this is a good warning flag, but you need to take a next step before you go and hire that manager.
0: Okay, yeah. Another sign that you might need to hire a manager is when you're unable to stay on top of employee progress.
1: Yeah, this might be a little bit further down the line than the solo entrepreneur. Yeah, we've moved past that point now, haven't we? I feel like that's true. I mean, this is maybe when you've got 10, 20, 30, 40 people working for you, but I'll say that there are a lot of small businesses out there that have a large staff, but a very small management team. Yeah. So a restaurant, a factory floor, right. a production house, that kind of thing. So if you've got five employees already, four of whom are much older in terms of their tenure at your company, mm-hmm. and they've seen it all, and they've they could possibly expand into other management roles. If you are, in fact, completely out of touch with their progress, with their capabilities, it may be time to see if one or two of them can step up in their own roles you know this hire from within idea and become a little bit more senior in their ability to uh, either manage that team manage their progression or manage other members of that team's progression as well and become that kind of manager from within cool so our last sign sign number 12 is
0: when your time distribution is uneven and uh, that comes from jana cook from event up and she says, it's time to hire a manager to oversee employees when
1: the majority of your day is spent managing each team. So I think the interesting point here that Jane is making is different from the idea of repetitive tasks as a red flag. A repetitive task is different from personnel management. Okay. But if you find yourself only managing and not doing the things that you went into business in the first place, not exercising your primary skill set then you may be missing the point. And there may be a time when you want to hire upper level management. And I think to some entrepreneurs that sounds gross, right? You don't want middle managers mucking up your system, adding Mm -hmm. inefficiency, that kind of thing. But there are, of course, efficient ways to have a VP of sales who takes care of the day-to-day management of your 10-person sales team, right, of course. And as a CEO, even if you're a very sales-oriented CEO, you can still be that person to those ten employees and to your one VP, but that way you can go to conferences, get out there and do work on your own, make those strategic partnerships and the bigger level uh, attachments and deals and programs that you're known for and that you hopefully went into business to do in the first place and allow your team to actually uh, work on their own and a little bit more independently.
0: So those are the twelve signs you need to hire a manager and we want to hear from you. Uh, Have you hired a manager
2: before?
1: Or maybe if you as a listener out there have any tips on when not to hire somebody what would be a good sign that it's not a good time to hire someone new into the field maybe uh make some efficiencies internally
0: yeah maybe it was too soon for you and uh you regret making that choice
1: wow tell us your stories of regret here at <laughs> bcast
0: so send us an email bcast at bplans.com or uh-huh. you can reach out to us on twitter at bplans at
1: bplans happy plans, at B plans. At that's plans. where we're at so yeah, send us notes. How are we doing? What do you want to hear about? What's new in your world? What's going on out there in the world of entrepreneurship? And what should we be covering next? So we've got Noah Parsons here, helping us out from the perspective of small businesses, talking about what kind of tools does a small business need? And I think we're talking about e-tools. Electronic tools. Yeah, Apps. definitely not hammers and nails. Not those kinds of tools. Okay, good because I don't know anything about those anyway Yeah, I think I was gonna
2: talk about tools for startups today for the most part things that you might use to get going um, In the early stages, so I thought it'd start out with uh, Your logo and your brand um, Those are important things obviously uh, Once you have your business name you need to look good doing it um, so Having a, a nice logo and then transitioning that into a brand, which is your color palette um, and you know, how you describe and market your business. So, uh, we really like uh, Presto Box. Um, they've got this really neat uh, thing they call the brand genie. Um, and it, it really is kind of this wizard that comes out of a bottle and you answer a series of questions like, uh, if you were a body of water, what kind of body of water would you be <laughs> and like choosing an ocean or a river. I don't know if anyone ever thought about their business that way. I certainly hadn't. I don't know if you guys...
1: Which did you choose?
2: Um, I think I chose a, a waterfall. That I don't I oh, to... know. It's very be- TLC of you. Right? Yeah, yeah. i go chasing
1: those. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's good. It's good. It's good entrepreneurial insight. Jonathan, what body of water yeah. would you be? Um, as an entrepreneur, not as a person. Oh right, because as a person. No, no, I'm talking <laughs> about as an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah. As an entrepreneur, you know, like a, a raging rapid. Clearly, obviously. Weird. Yeah.
1: Really? Hmm. Huh. Definitely. All right. I'm I more mean, that you calm don't get screen. that vibe. I'm like that, Zen, yeah, okay. You know, the, the brook that makes a cool sound. Yeah. yeah sleepy time sounds.
2: So back to PrestoBox. Uh, <laughs> we definitely give them a shot. It's it's free to try it out um, if you want to. Get the logo uh, that they create for you and the brand guide and all that Um, when you're done uh, you can pay for that it's really affordable I think uh, 19 or 29 bucks for the logo um, a little bit more for the brand guide um, but definitely very affordable and a quick way of of putting that logo and brand guide together and if you uh, don't buy from them you still had a really fun experience figuring out what color palette your business represents um, so worth uh, the 10 minutes. It's a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah, I
1: was messing around with that. I had a good time, too. I forgot about the body of water question, but the uh, the other thing is the uh, folks who run Presto Box are running a brand challenge on B-Plan, so... Those who are listening in a timely way can check that out on bplans.com. Look up brand
0: challenge. Yeah, that's right. We've got a brand challenge going on right now. Um, it's happening this week. Um, so chances are if you're listening to the podcast, you probably are either catching it at the tail end or uh, maybe missed it. But we're right. going to give you the opportunity to sign up and uh, at your own leisure take the branding challenge and get five sets of emails that kind of walk you through the process. So uh, don't worry if you've missed the, the first uh phase of that, you can definitely do it on your own time too. I always forget we're projecting into the future.
2: Yeah,
1: we... Our voices are traveling through time and space. So anyway... <laughs> well, <now. laughs> speaking of time,
2: you might need uh, to create a website quickly um, if you're a new business. And it's actually surprising the number of businesses out there that still don't have websites. I know uh, when I'm looking for especially local services and looking at local businesses, Um, it's quite common actually for businesses still not have a website but that's really a necessity and there's no reason that you shouldn't have one these days so um, I really like uh, Weebly and Squarespace Uh, they're both great tools Um, if you use PrestoBox that I uh, just talked about um, they integrate with Weebly and will help you create a website there Um, also Squarespace is a great option super customizable you can ad commerce Uh, so if you want to sell stuff online um, you can make your website look beautiful really quickly and easily and these are both really affordable options if you're just getting started Um, i think they also have some free trials so you can just poke around and give them a shot so once you've got your website going um, getting your email marketing going is really an important thing Um, and all of us around here just love MailChimp. Um, it's easy to use. Uh, it's free for up to your first, I think, 2,000 subscribers. Um, so uh, for most uh, small businesses, that's you know, you're probably applying under that number to start with. So you can get a good handle on it. Um, and even once you start paying, it's inexpensive. And uh, email is just a fantastic way to communicate with your customers and prospects. Um, you know, and announce uh, sales and things like that, so getting, uh, you know, starting to collect email addresses of your customers and of people that are interested in your business um, is a great thing to do, and MailChimp makes it really easy to send newsletters and announcements uh, to that group of people to get them to come back to you. I'm glad you brought that up,
0: because I always thought it was actually pronounced MailKimp. Mail, but no, it's MailChimp. Okay. Yeah. Good to or know. Is that a
1: cross podcast reference? Though? I think it is. Maybe people might know that reference.
0: I don't know if
2: our
1: listeners listen to any other podcasts, though, <laughs> so we got to be careful there. I don't know if
0: they, I'm pretty sure they listen to any other podcast besides ours. Yeah, I don't they, know. Well, ours they, ours they shouldn't be listening to any
2: other podcast besides this one. There you go. Yeah. So moving from email, uh, it's, you know, people still pick up the phone, um, you know, in, in as much as I'd love, you know, for the phone to. Go away. Um, <laughs> and, you know, personally, much rather people communicate by uh, email. It's at least in my life, it's much easier. But um, you know, most businesses still need uh, some kind of a phone system. I like uh, Grasshopper. Um, you know, not the animal. Uh, this is a. Uh, An actual phone system where you can continue to use your cell phone or your regular phones, whatever But you get that press one press two kind of experience Um, So it's a great inexpensive way to Seem like you're maybe much bigger than you actually are Um, So that's a really cool one Um, The other one uh, that I like is ring central if you're looking for more of a step up and robust uh, phone system um, that has uh, Routing rules and more of the the fancier things that as you're growing you might need or if you have a customer service uh, Team within your company
0: and with either one of those tools Are you able to set up kind of like an international or a toll-free number that can route to you?
2: Yeah, exactly. So both of these um, I think for you know small additional charges uh, You can add 800 numbers. You can have multiple ones. So if you want to do really neat things like uh, in your um, print ad in a magazine, put a special 800 number so you can later see, well, did people see the ad and actually call me because of the Mm. ad? So you can actually find out if some of that advertising is effective.
0: Wow. That's really cool. Uh, That's
2: great. So moving on from that um, to regular email and office documents and all that kind of stuff, I just have to say, use Google Apps. That's the easiest way to um, have shared document storage, collaborate on documents in the spreadsheets, get a reliable professional email. Uh, if you wanna have email at your own domain, so that you know, your name at yourcompany.com, uh, they do that for you um, for a really affordable price. Um, it's really bulletproof. It's what we use here at B Plans, um, actually, and uh, it's been incredibly reliable. Uh, we collaborate with this stuff all the time. And moving beyond that, a really a more specific thing, um, if you need to get signatures on documents and contracts, um, that's actually one thing that, that Google doesn't yet, but, but they should. Are you listening, Google? <laughs> um, but uh, there's great companies that deal with that. Um, and I like either HelloSign, or DocuSign, um, and both of those let you upload contracts or anything you need someone else to sign. Um, if you're a real estate agent, uh, these things are awesome. You can get rid of all those piles of paperwork and uh, you know, having to bring documents to your client to sign. It's just you know that's a total nightmare for everyone. Really, um, these things make it really easy for people to sign documents digitally. They're legally binding. Um, and make everyone's life much, much better. Plus they create a really awesome archive of all of your signed official contracts. So definitely worthwhile. Uh, Check those out if you have clients or partners that need to sign paperwork for you.
0: Yeah, definitely. So one of the things that we've been talking about is, uh, you know, the article uh, 12 signs that you need to hire a manager. Um, but it sounds like a lot of these tools are ways that you can maybe get away with not yet having to hire a manager. Um When it comes to getting work done that you just don't have the time uh, or talent to do, is there another tool that you would recommend for that?
2: What I really uh, like, and we again use this at B Plans uh, quite a bit, is a company that's now called Upwork. And they must have done the Presto Box branding challenge because they just changed their their name from Odesk uh, to Upwork. Uh, but they've been around for a long time. They were also known as Elance at, at one point, okay, so yeah. maybe some, of your, uh, some people might recognize them from one of those brand names, but um, Upwork, uh, you can go on there and find people uh, who will help you with nearly anything, <laughs> um, whether it's virtual assistant kind of stuff or you want someone to listen to your voicemail and, and transcribe it for you, you name it, there's freelancers on Upwork that will help you get stuff done. And the cool thing is it's a worldwide uh, competitive marketplace, so you post a job and people from all over the world can bid on your job, but you can read their profiles and you can also limit that too. If you would like to have only people bid um, from a certain region or people that only have a certain level of expertise in a particular topic um, or have been rated uh, you know, only 5 stars by at least 100 other people, mm. um, you can really filter down the uh, people that are bidding on your work, um, or you can make it open season and take the uh, the lowest bidder. Um, it's up to you. Uh, but if you need some help, uh, you can get on-demand help from Upwork anytime. That's great.
0: I don't think I've prepped you for this question, but you've listed off these tools, and uh, I'm going to say if you can only use one of these, what are you going to take in that, that list?
2: Oh, uh, pry uh, Google Apps away from my cold, dead hands. All um, right, that's such a critical part of my own work. I would use that anywhere. Um, you know, it's it's it you know, just makes life pretty much easier. And, and you, you know, you need your email. You need your documents. Um, you know, everything else you can probably find another way to get done. But that one uh, is critical, and I use it all the time.
1: Okay, I think we're also inadvertently running an experiment here. Is Google listening? We will find out. Is Google listening? Google, are you there? This is it. We'll find out soon. So for this segment, we thought uh, it would be fun to talk a little bit about some uh, things in pop culture that entrepreneurs might want to slash need to know about.
0: Yeah, you need to kick your feet up every once in a while and stop working and, you know, taken some enjoyment, and uh, that might be a podcast, might be a TV show, might go see a movie, um, but we've got some recommendations for you, so you can kind of step out of your world, but still find some relevant things to, to enjoy. I agree. So let's all, you know, pick out some of the things that you've
1: liked out there. Jonathan, what's your, uh, what's your favorite in the last few years here?
0: Well, most recently, um, they're coming up to the end of their second season, but uh, Silicon Valley is a pretty hilarious show. I think their season finale is next week, and uh, yeah, just... On HBO, uh, I'd crack up just about every episode from something.
1: I think, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you're watching the show too, for most of you out there, you're not doing that type of tech business that's looking for that type of funding. So it's a great way, you know, if you uh, despise that whole scene, it's a great sort of way to just laugh at these folks who are out there trying to do that. If you love those uh, folks, if you're also a software dev, there's probably a lot of stuff that's going to hit home while you're watching it. Fun show overall.
2: And the the really cool thing about Silicon Valley, I think, uh, is that it actually hits really close to home. If you ever worked in Silicon Valley, you know, while it, it is a parody to a degree, a lot of what they go over is pretty real. Like there's stuff that they go through that actually happens. Yeah,
0: and you've got, you know, the stories from Facebook and Apple and Google and a lot of those kind of Stories have been uh, co opted for jokes in Silicon Valley. And uh, what I like about Mike Judge and his sense of humor is pretty much no one's safe. And so just about every episode, you're going to find a scathing joke that you can't help but laugh at, um, especially if you don't take yourself seriously, too. So it's a fun show. A couple of highlights from season two for me have been uh, the character Jared, played by Zach Woods. Um, just He's so in the theoretical world of how to improve your business and, you know, all these different things. He's so not in the practical aspect of it and just misses the boat hilariously so many times. Uh, So he's been a really uh, fun addition uh, to the show and just hilarious the second season. Definitely. Yeah. Another highlight I'd say is uh, Russ Hanneman. He's a guest actor for the second season and he's been very funny because he's a a billionaire. Is
1: he a parody of somebody? Because it's not like a Richard Branson,
0: right? Well, is he a specific thing? I think he's kind of an amalgam of a, right. a bunch of different people. Um, but his whole uh, claim to fame is that he brought radio to the internet. Right. That was his thing. And so now he's uh, a billionaire, which means he's part of the Three Comma Club. Um, so just a lot of really funny things with him
1: as a character. So I think you know the, the one I'd recommend, uh, AMC program called Halt and Catch Fire. Probably not a. That is a terrible title. I'm not gonna lie. It's not easy to spit out and have people understand. Yeah.
2: Okay, and I, for fear of sounding like I live under a rock, and maybe I do, but uh, I, I haven't actually heard of this show. You've
1: heard of AMC though, the network I, that brought us uh, such greats as uh, Mad Men, Mad Men, uh-huh. Breaking Bad, sure. Yeah, terrible shows. All of those. <laughs> right. Nobody, nobody's heard of those either. To be fair. Right. So, the, I think the reason people haven't heard of this one, because I've asked around a little bit, it, it was a very quiet show. Mm-hmm. It's a very slow show, and not full of uh, famous people by any means. Uh, it's a show that does the narrative arc. It follows the narrative arc of uh, the IBM clone phase of computers which is really the birth of the laptop and not to spoil or anything, but it's also a little bit like the story of compact computers. So the way I just described that probably sounds very boring, a little <laughs> dull. <laughs> and it's in fact a really dramatic sort of view of a lot of different things. I think that apply to today's world in a very interesting way. I mean, you've got this this notion of innovation and, you know, in the, in the Silicon Valley sense, it is. It's all exciting. It's these algorithms that are unimaginable by other people and uncopyable by Google, but in this world innovation really equals ripping off IBM code to make your own version of kind of the same thing and put it in a slightly different box. Well, is that innovation? Is it not? And at the time, it was. This is what brought us
2: the laptop, the so luggable the, computer. The birth of the beige box computer. Right? But it's actually about an you know, interesting time frame, and the industry was just growing like crazy at that point, so no, I'll have to check it out.
0: Yeah, and they took, especially in the first season, they they went outside of the whole Silicon Valley startup culture, and it's set in Texas, so it's kind of outside of that. But you still, uh, I think what I liked about it um, from watching the first season is uh, there's still a lot of, even though it's set in the early 80s, uh, relevant things to today's startup culture, uh, today's technology. Um, you know, there's the conversation of women in tech and just how much they've been marginalized in the, the sector. And
1: Yeah, and to the point of you start asking towards the end of the season, how far have we really come? You know, there's opportunities, sure, but is it a, you know, is it a weird work environment? Is it, you know, an inequality uh, in, in terms of opportunity, that kind of thing. So the first season is great. You can get it on Netflix now. Mm-hmm. The second season is just starting now, and it's focused more on the software side. So I think it's going to see a bigger audience uh, being more about a gaming company uh, at that
2: time period. Great. Well, I picked a couple of podcasts, but um, I think the, the primary one uh, that... I think Peter had alluded to earlier and it's a little bit meta, but the Startup Podcast. Um, and that's uh, Alex Bloomberg, um, who uh, is coming from uh, This American Life and Planet Money, which is also an awesome podcast. But uh, in the first season, which you can go and you can get the, the entire first season right now, um, he is documenting uh, every step of the way as he starts his own company, which is. Coincidentally, a podcasting company, and they're in nice bite-sized chunks. They're about like twenty minutes or so each, so you know, perfect for uh, a walk to the office or you know, a short car ride or something like that.
0: Yeah, if, you've, if you own your own company, if you're starting your own small business, or even if you're just interested in the concept and want to know more about the behind the scenes, the Startup Podcast is a really great podcast to listen to because the doors are wide open and you hear every, uh, every detail of, of that process. Um, I think for me, a highlight was when Alex tried to pitch his company to a venture capitalist and recorded the whole thing. And you hear every misstep, every um and uh, and just it kind of falls apart in his lap. And it's pretty interesting, the recovery that he makes there.
1: Yeah, he is charmingly transparent, and surprisingly so. Really, you know, up front, he promises that he's going to let you see it all, warts and all. And, and, you know, towards the end, you realize he he really did. He let you in, and it's... Uh, I think a rare thing in that kind of media.
2: Yeah, and it's not a sanitized version of starting a company, um, which you can you know, see on you know something like Shark Tank or something like that. It That feels like the whole process is much easier, I think. Are you
1: anti-recommending Shark Tank right oh, now? No,
2: Shark Tank should be on the list for sure.
1: <laughs> we don't have them as a sponsor, so it's okay if you want to anti-recommend <laughs> them. <laughs> What think, warnings should we give about watching Shark
2: Tank okay. and nothing else? That's a good one. That, that is a good one. Uh, Shark Tank's a lot of fun. Uh, it's <laughs> Of course, if you're interested in entrepreneur, uh, starting a business and entrepreneurism, uh, then you should uh, watch Shark Tank. Um, a lot of the deals that are offered on there, though, you want to kind of reach through the screen and you know, shake the the entrepreneur and say, don't don't take that deal, it's terrible, they're gonna give you $50,000 for half of your company. Hmm. Um, you know, and you're on the spot, you're you know, obviously under bright lights in a, in a studio with all this pressure, um, but uh, yeah, a lot of those deals uh, that the sharks offer are not very good. Um, and so they're, they're taking huge controlling interest in your company for not a lot of money. And so I think you need to be careful. They truly are sharks um, for the most part.
0: Yeah, and actually we have a couple of articles on bplans.com from people who have been on the show and just some of the lessons that they learned from it and what their takeaways were. So those are some interesting reads uh, be able to, 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 to check out. post a link on that, right?
1: No, probably not. Okay, great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd also recommend uh, our first podcast about funding. If you uh, are willing to give up 50% of your business for $50,000, maybe listen to our first podcast first think a little bit of uh the other funding options that might be out there for you
0: nice nice reference
1: good pull feel like a good close on that (laughs) yeah absolutely that's what i'm looking for
0: so those are our top picks for uh things you can do on your time off uh podcasts to listen to tv shows to watch uh any other recommendations or is that enough
2: I' uh, maybe throw a few more in the the show notes. I think there are a couple other podcasts that are are worthwhile if you've got the time and you have a longer commute or you're in the car frequently. Um, there's a few others that uh, we should share out there that are worth listening. Um, awesome. but of course, you should really only listen to this one.
0: Yeah, listen to this one. If you're listening to this one now, keep listening and listen to more.
1: Are there any small business lessons we can get from Game of Thrones or or not? I, oh,
0: I'm sure
2: right?
1: I'm sure we could make some up. Yeah. yeah. Never invest in dragons. <laughs> yeah.
0: Always pay your debts. Hmm. Yeah.
2: Don't kill your employees. Maybe. <laughs> oh, that's a good, uh, yeah. good full circle there. Yeah. Yeah. Once you
1: hire
0: them,
2: don't kill don't them. Don't order them. Yeah. <laughs>
0: that's a good one. If you have a question you'd like us to answer on the show, send us an email at becast at bplans.com. That's bcast at bplans.com. Our theme music is by Jasinski. The bcast is brought to you by Palo Alto Software makers of bplans.com and live plan visit bplans.com for everything you need to start planning and growing your business
1: tech brunch mm, that sounds delicious Te- tech brunch note to self <laughs> tech brunch this is
0: my million dollar idea it's tech brunch
1: don't let peter steal